Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. And we're back at Xander and Hanley, and we welcome in Patrick Finley, one of the great writers at the Chicago Sun-Times. You can check out Patrick's latest contributions to the Bright One, if we're still calling it the Bright One. I, I you know, old habits die hard for this alum. <laughs> but uh, the mock draft is out there, and uh, unfortunately, the beloved Bears don't have a first-round pick because they use that to uh, land Justin Fields. Patrick, welcome into the show. How are you doing? Hey, Patrick. I'm doing okay, guys. How about you? Good. Doing well. Um, doing uh, would be doing better if uh, the Bears had more um, draft capital to to start getting some of the heavy lifting done. But when you get down to 39th and 71 as their first two picks, um, the consensus I see, and, and Jason wrote about this in the in sometimes as well, that wide receiver seems to be uh, everyone's idea of how you're going to get Justin Fields better as soon as you can. Um, are you on board with that? Is that uh, is that pretty much the 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 one position they really have to lock in on uh, with that second round pick? I think there are two positions. I think wide receiver is one of them, and the other one is offensive line. The Bears are lucky that this is a really good draft for both spots. And you know, the more people I talk to at the combine, and the more time I spent down there, the more I realized that I, I think a good goal for them this year would be to uh, put Justin Fields in a functional offense one that uh, protects him, one that has receivers that he can count on, and, you know, and, and take that first step. I, I don't think the Bears are a couple of free agents or a couple of draft picks away from being good, but I think they can be a couple of really smart investments away from being solid. And if you could be solid this year and worry about the playoffs in 2023, I think that's probably the approach they'll take. And, and the best way to do that is to find somebody who will block for him and to find somebody who can do something with the ball once he gets it to them. Now, Patrick, do you think that uh, addressing an O-line and free agency and getting maybe some experience would make a bigger impact than drafting uh, for the O-line right off the bat? Or is it all about long-term sustained success at that position? I, in general, don't think that free agency is, is, a, uh, is a winning plan. Um, and just, you know, if, if you're going shopping for needs, uh, for a lot of needs in free agency, I think that usually means you've got a team that's not very good. But, yeah, I, I think veteran alignment is where I would go in that direction. And then you need to sit there and, and decide, you know, not just what guys from last year's team are sticking around, but what position they're going to play. You know, do they sign James Daniels, who's going to hit free agency, is I think the youngest free agent in the NFL. You know, do they sign him? If they do, do they put him at center? Do they keep him at guard? You know, what happens to Cody Whitehead? Does he go to center? Is, is Tevin Jenkins a right tackle, a left tackle? Is Larry Borum worth playing? I mean, you know, the two veterans on the outside, Jermaine Fetty and Jason Peters, I think those guys are gone for sure. Mm. But there are, a lot of moving, there are a lot of moving parts there that they've got to figure out. I think the way to do it is to go through free agency, and I think that that's where you'll see them spend uh, their money. The, the putting a functional offense together for Justin Fields uh, beyond Darnell Mooney, um, I, I, let's assume they're going to go get a wide receiver in the draft because it's a pretty deep wide receiver draft. Um, any chance that Allen Robinson, you know, can can find a way back here? Not, you know, he obviously feels like the offense has let him down, and the numbers would have been a lot better if he was in a functional offense, but. They've been so far apart on money. Will will he have a rude awakening in free agency and to the point where 
he'd he'd want to come back or take a look at coming back or is that ship sailed? I I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I think he'd like to go to a better offense. Uh, <laughs> and for a guy who's played for the Jaguars and Bears his whole career, I, I think yeah. maybe in, yeah. in year t- in year ten, the guy deserves to go play for somebody who's at least <laughs> in the top half of the league in offense. Now, in a vacuum, and, and I want to be clear, in a vacuum, he is the kind of player the Bears should go get. Uh, he is somebody who's you know been an established receiver, somebody who. I, you know, I don't think his market is, is going to be as nearly as high as, as he wants it to be or nearly as high as it would have been a year ago at this time. You know, you've got kind of a little prove it, you know, baked into the situation there. You know, that makes sense. If he was just wide receiver X, you'd sit there and, so, and go the bear speed all over this guy. Um, I don't know, you know, whether Allen, you know, thinks coming back is a good idea. And I also don't know, you know, how easy it is to separate the coaching staff in the front office, which is new from, you know, all the other things that, that, you know, he would, he would have if he stuck around. I mean, the quarterback's the same, you know, maybe some of the blocking issues are the same, you know, I don't know how appealing that would be to him. And guys, you mentioned going to get a receiver. I believe the, um, the, you know, beyond Darnell Mooney, I think there's one other receiver on their team who caught a pass last year who is under contract for next season. And I think that's Daz Newsom. So yeah, yeah. Safe to say there's going to be an overhaul at the receiver position. Now, now, how about on, uh, go ahead, Brian? Where are you on Khalil Mack? I mean, Twitter's all debating. You know, should he stay or should he go? Dead cap money. Can you live with that? Could you get enough, uh, you know, phone calls and offers that you would have to even take it seriously? And and if you did make that move, you know, what do you do with that? Assuming draft collateral, what what do you do with those picks? If it were me, I would keep him. <laughs> I think he's yeah. a wonderful football player when he's healthy. I think in a 4-3 scheme, he and Robert Quinn might make more better sense than they did in a 3-4. I mean, remember Khalil Mack, but the Raiders it was the first player ever to be a first-team All-Pro at both defensive end and outside linebacker uh, because uh, he was so good in that Raiders system. Uh, I don't know if what you could get back for him would be enough to be worth it. Uh, and, you know, if I'm Ryan Poles, you know, let's say you trade Khalil Mack somewhere, he goes off and gets 18 sacks, and you've got a third-round pick for your troubles. All of a sudden, this Ryan Pace, you know, if you view the signing of, or the trade for Khalil Mack and signing into that contract as a Ryan Pace problem, uh, it, is a, it turns into a Ryan Poles problem pretty quick if you trade him away and if he's awesome and if you've got, you know, like I said, the you know, 90th pick to show for it. Mm. So I, I would keep him around. I think that, you know, a defensive line with those two guys makes a ton of sense, and I haven't had anybody explain to me yet you know, what the value of bringing in a defensive coach and then getting rid of uh, one of their better defensive players is. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's what we call avoiding a Leonard Floyd, right? <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, the big fear for the Bears here is that, you know, Khalil Mack gets hurt again next year, and all of a sudden he's somebody who's missed the better part of two seasons, and, and his value would really go down. But as long as he stays healthy, I mean, Ryan Poles is going to get enough leeway here the first couple of years that I think Poles can trade him next year and, 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 and be okay. I, you know, I don't see, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I think he's got a little time to play with and I don't know that I would be rash in, in trading him. How much would does, uh, um, uh, Amari Cooper get on the open market? Oh boy. No. I mean, what are you looking at? 22, maybe something like that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, is, I think, I think he's a good receiver. 
I, I don't know. I, I think it's easy to, to list the Bears as a fit because you look around the league and you go, who's got money to spend and who doesn't have a number one receiver? And, and I think Darnell Mooney's a, a wonderful player. And, you know, if you want to tell me, though, that Darnell Mooney on a good team is a number two and not a number one, I, I think I'd believe that. I, I think that that's – I don't think he can be your number one uh, without some help. So, you know, can the Bears afford that? Yeah, probably. And because of that, there's going to be some connection there. I, I don't know that uh, I don't know that it'll happen. You know, it, it's it, and I, I don't know what you guys think, but but to me, it's that's a lot of money to invest in somebody who, you know, the Cowboys who are you know actively trying to win every year has decided isn't worth keeping around. Now, I was going to ask about the tight end position, being that Matt Nagy and his uh, regime seem to really be all over that position, and, and there were a lot of different things tried. It, are we going to expect anything other than Cole Komet to get a real good chance to do what he's supposed to be doing? I think they, I mean, they could use another pass-catching tight end for sure. Um, Cole Komet, I think, has developed into a good enough blocker that you can rely on him there. You know, in the scheme that Nagy ran, though, that, you know, that, that wide tight end, which is not what Komet was. Komet's an inline tight end, but the the, the tight end that you could split wide was a very important part of what he does. Uh, that's not necessarily the case with Luke Yessie. Uh, so I, I think maybe the shape of the tight ends that you see playing for the Bears going forward, you know, will probably be a little beefier and uh, they will probably be a little better at blocking. Uh, you know, I'm willing to give Cole Komet a chance to be that featured tight end. I, I think he's shown enough flashes in the, in the last couple of years and, and honestly, you know, the other options, you know, the, you know, the free agents and what's behind door number two, you know, ain't that appealing this year. So, uh, you know, I would imagine that Komet, you know, when we line up on opening day is, is going to be your, your lead receiver, or your lead tight end. You know, Bulls fans are very impressed at how quickly the front office and Billy Donovan and AK and how the, the team just transformed itself into a credible team and, and made some really smart moves and in very short order became relevant again. Blackhawks fans are hoping that Kyle Davidson and the staff he will put together will have similar results. Um, when you look at, at Ryan Poles and, and Matt, um, what has struck you so far in the time that you've been around them in terms of their approach, their demeanor? Um, just, you know, just what do you like about these two? It's funny you say that. You know, we were watching the the Bulls game the other night, which is just, I mean, felt like a playoff game. And, and I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, what's the biggest difference between them now and them two years ago? And, and the word prof- <clears throat> professional came to mind. You know, they're just professionals mm-hmm. who know what they're doing. And, <clears throat> you know, if you want to look at free agency, it's an opportunity for the Bears to bring in probably on that second tier of free agency, probably not at the very top, but a bunch of guys who are professionals who know how to win or, and who know how to go about their business. You know, I think that that will go a long way toward – you know, changing some of the, uh, you know, the word culture is overused, but changing some of the culture here. Uh, you know, in terms of the two guys that they've hired, Matt Eberflus is an adult, uh, and not that Matt Nagy wasn't, but Matt Eberflus <laughs> is, I, I think, stoic uh, and serious and really focused on, you know, his system and effort. Uh, you know, we saw maybe, what, 28 head coaches talk in, in press conferences at the Combine. And you're not going to you're not going to hire Matt Eberflus based on his press conference because he is not <laughs> one of the more dynamic guys. But maybe that's OK. You know, but and, that's and OK look after at, what we have. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy for, you know, I think Matt Nagy uh, is a very decent man and somebody yep. who has been um, been very human around us for four years. And you, you guys know this as a reporter. That's really all you can ask for. But, sure. uh, you know, if, if that was the way you won football games, Matt Nagy would still be here. So, it, yeah, I, you know, I think Eberflus is going to bring a little bit of buttoned-up respectability to the thing. And Ryan Poles, you know, in getting to know him, seems like a super bright guy who's going to be open to a lot of different things. He's going to, you know, give um, analytics a far better run uh, than the previous regime did. And, you know, he is, you know, he is not beholden to any one way of doing things or to any one player or any one position group or anything like that. So, you know, Patrick, go ahead. You you feel like he does have the, the control and the ability without any pressure from above to do what he feels is best to get this football team advanced. Yes, I do. And um, if we're talking about Ryan Pulse, yes, I I do. He is, uh, he is, he is their football guy, <laughs> and we can have I mean, we we could have it. We could do it. Finally, we could spend, Yeah, well, we could have a whole other uh, episode about whether the way the Bears have structured things uh, for the last generation has been smart. Because you know, if it were me, I, I think I'd probably have a football guy above the GM, but they don't, and because of that, he is he is in charge. Uh, there's no question in my mind that he's going to be allowed to do what he wants to do. I don't believe George McCaskey is going to be walking in to watch film with him and give him pointers. So, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> well, uh, uh, last one, and uh, we'll let you go, Patrick, and, and really appreciate taking time on Sunday morning to join us. Justin Fields, um, you know, injured, healthy, good, bad turnovers. Where, where are you with him in terms of his development and really where his ceiling is? Because – so many of us wanted to believe on that uh, draft day that they finally got it right. I still believe that, but a lot of detractors are out there saying that, you know, Matt Nagy didn't do him any favors and, and he might be a, a good or okay or a pretty good quarterback, but not a franchise guy. Where are you, where are you at? Too soon to tell maybe? Uh, I would make the trade again today as we sit here. And as we know that the Bears pick this year is the seventh overall pick. I would still make that trade. I think Justin Fields, if he were in this year's draft, would be the number one overall pick. I think he would be by far the best quarterback. I think that if he were in this year's draft, he would be the most attractive quarterback on the market, and that includes every free agent. Uh, so I, there's something there. You know, whether the Bears can you know, extract it from him uh, is you know, the real question here. You know, you're right, Matt Nagy did him no favors. You know, the fact that he you know, never took snaps with the starters yeah. <laughs> at all, even during the preseason Crazy. when – you know, it is it is crazier every time I think about it. It gets crazier in my mind. I, I don't understand. I think that part of this is on ownership for having timelines for the coach and the GM that were short term, uh, and then empowering them to make a long term decision. Which I think Ryan Pace should get credit for. I, I think uh, I think he did the right thing. But then they there was kind of a conflict of interest there as to you know do you want to win now or do you want to win later? And, and Justin Fields you know, was punished for it. Um, and so we'll see. <laughs> if you're asking me whether he's going to be a good quarterback, we'll see. Um, I think that the big shame of last season was that they finished with the record they had. You know, in the last six weeks of the season, they were absolutely irrelevant. You know, at no point could you have a real conversation about the playoffs or anything like that. And yet, despite all of this worst-case scenario, 
you couldn't play Justin Fields enough to figure out whether or not he was good or to, or to give him that experience that he could put uh, then behind him. You know, and, and some of this was, you know, not their fault. You know, there were injuries and, and you know, and there was COVID and, and all of that sort of stuff. But, man, <laughs> at the beginning of last season, if you would have sat there and gone and told me the Bears were going to go 6-11, six, six and 11, and my response would have been, well, at least Justin Fields gets to play a lot and, and you know, you set him up along that path. <laughs> Right, and, and it and it didn't happen. Uh, so right. I think he has a very high ceiling. I think he has a somewhat low floor. Um, but you know, if you're a Bears fan, I would still be very excited about him. I, I think I can't think of of a reason to be down on him yet, other than I mean, look at the, and maybe I'm rambling here, but look at the other rookie quarterbacks. I mean, the best rookie quarterback last season was Davis Mills. Do you want Davis Mills? Would you rather have Davis Mills no. than Justin Fields? No. I wouldn't. Nope. So no. I would look around the league and say that this is what happens when you're a rookie. And, again, the only real shame of it is that some of these other rookie quarterbacks got to take a lot more snaps than Justin Fields did. And it seems like we have the right people in place to develop him for the future now as compared to what, we're, what we were looking at this time last year. Well, yeah, but more than anything, I, I think you have people with the proper timeline here. You know, Luke Getzey, I mean, Aaron Rodgers unprompted praises Luke Getzey every time he talks publicly all of a sudden. It, it's, it's, it's really encouraging, but, you know, these guys are going to be here for a couple of years. You know, if Justin Fields has, you know, if he's bad through week three, you know, you don't have guys sitting there going, oh, my God, we're going to lose our jobs unless we make a move at quarterback or unless we start doing something different. So I think that, more than anything else, uh, lends itself towards developing him the right way. Patrick, I always appreciate your time. A lot there. Thank Love you, your Patrick. confidence and, and makes us feel better on a Sunday morning as we're not too far away from free agency and, and next month you hit the draft. But good to pick your brain and get your uh, all your thoughts. Uh, appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. Uh, hey, with what's going on in the world and what's going on in sports, anything that makes us feel a little better is a good thing. So uh, thank you. Amen. Patrick Finley from Chicago Sun-Times. Check his uh, workout at suntimes.com. A lot there and a uh, lot to respond to. 312-332-3776. And we'll open up the phone line so you can do just that. And Xander, it's Hanley. We'll come back on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Interesting thoughts from Patrick Finley and, and Mark Sander. A lot of things struck me with our conversation with Patrick from the Sun-Times. But going back to uh, the conversation Patrick had with his wife while watching the Bulls, it goes back to our conversation last week about Billy Donovan and AK and and Mark Eversley being professionals, mm-hmm. right? It, yep, it, yep. It, it, it's, it's Michael Reinsdorf talking about, I knew I hired a smart guy in AK. I didn't, you know... He's, as Michael Reinstorf said, I'm not the, uh, I know basketball, but I'm not an expert like a lot of people are. But I knew but you I have to be smart enough guy. to hire the right, yeah, you have to be smart enough to hire the right people and not just friends or what. I, I look at, I mean, look at Donovan versus Boylan. I mean, it's another planet as far as professionalism. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can tell one guy's in over his head and trying too hard. And the other guy has a quiet confidence about him because he's been a champion at the, he's the been college there, level. Yeah. He's been, you know, had great athletes and superstars around him in Oklahoma City, and you know doesn't doesn't go overboard when things go wrong. Doesn't go overboard when things are going well. 
Interesting, uh, you know, when you look at, at Matt Eberflus and, and Patrick said it, I remember the first time he put something on Twitter. He, he did a, a video, selfie video, and, you know, serious as a heart attack, right? I mean, he's, he's trying to reach out and be accessible on social media, but he, that's not his shtick. He doesn't have shtick, right? I mean, he's, he's you not don't a want guy. Shtick. We don't need no. shtick. No, and some guys combine both, right? I mean, Ozzie Gia, when he came on the scene as a manager, and we certainly knew Ozzie as a, as a player, um, you know, you couldn't get any more colorful than Ozzie in his, it, when he's holding court in the dugout before the game, a couple hours before the game. And I always say you should have had a two-drink minimum because, I mean, it was all, he always had stories and jokes and entertaining. But when he talked baseball, I mean, he, he knew exactly – he knew exactly what he knew, and I remember the first time he got the job the first season, he said, I know bleep about pitching. That's Coop's job. Um, eventually, he, he knew bleep about pitching, but he knew initially that he had to let he had to delegate and let people do their jobs because he didn't know enough about it to, to advise or, you know, or to veto, right? Right, and, and in the previous uh, situation, we never really got that from Matt. I mean, he would say, this is, uh, you know, he's our – you know, he would throw over to Desai and and uh, uh, the uh, offensive coordinator, um, but he never really gave that vote of confidence. He never really took himself out a laser. He never really took himself out of the picture. You know, it was the Matt Nagy show, and look, we we would have had a different attitude towards it if it worked. It didn't work, but it is refreshing to hear people uh, and and to hear from people and see that people are just pros. And we seem to have some pros in the right positions for our Chicago Bears, finally. Now proof is in the pudding. You know, we're going to see what they do in free agency. We're going to see what they do in the draft. And then most importantly, we're going to see what happens on the field. But immediate expectations should be, you know, unless Aaron Rodgers is out of the division, you know, they should be measured. I, I'm, I'm okay with slow growth as long as there's growth. Well, it was interesting when Patrick Finley said he would make that same trade that, uh, you know, Justin Fields in his world was worth giving up the seventh overall pick. And, you know, the, the, the real shame is that he didn't get the foundation to build upon in preseason. We all knew that this stupid plan of he's not playing, he's just going to observe and everything else, but to, to the detriment of not even giving him snaps when you knew He's an injury away from sh- showing up behind center and, and, you know, throwing the ball around the field. And then, you know, that that's it's good to hear. I wonder if Bears fans would, uh, you know, feel the same way that Patrick Finley did. Uh, having seen Justin Fields, the good and the bad and the inconsistent to this point, would you – are you still good with it? Are you still – would you rather have that first-round pick uh, this year and uh, moving forward? Or would you? Do you still have faith, full faith, that the ceiling's high and the and the the floor is low, as Patrick said for Justin Fields? Yep. Three one two, three three two, three seven seven six. Anything else that uh, Patrick addressed? He addressed a lot, and he told you, Khalil Mack, if he's Ryan Poles, he's not going anywhere. And Matt Eberflus, being a defensive guy, we talked about it earlier in the show. It wouldn't seemingly make sense to hire a defensive coach and then try and then unload one of your defensive studs to uh, jumpstart the rebuild, but yeah, look, uh, we're, we're always, we're always wary of what happens out of Hallis hall, no matter who's there. So the question is a good one, but it makes a lot of sense of what Patrick said, because Matt Eberflus is the defensive guy, Khalil Mack. We may not be able to get enough of a return until he has another great season again. 
So he's a known commodity. He just has to stay healthy. 312-332-3776. Where's your uh, Bears confidence right now moving into a very important couple couple months here and certainly a couple weeks with the uh, free agents market coming up. And interesting also when he talked about Allen Robinson, that, you know, whatever feelings and, and strain uh, between player and organization there may be, if you took the name off the page and just said, here are the attributes of, of this receiver, and he happened to be Allen Robinson, Patrick Finner said, that's the guy you should be identifying. Uh, and, and you know, certainly like the idea of uh, Amari Cooper in a Bears uniform. But, um, you know, who stays, who goes? And, and you know, how are you feeling these days with uh, with free agency right around the corner and the draft next month? 312-332-3776. Plenty of time to take your calls before we get out of here. It's Xander and Hanley, ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Mark Xander, Brian Hanley here, taking your calls 312-332-3776. And um, Patrick Finley mentioned he, like many of us, are watching Bulls games on a regular this season because it's an entertaining team, a good team. Unfortunately, uh, they've hit a little bit of a stretch here with a four-game losing streak, uh, Mark. And um, I did like the way Billy Donovan, you know, you had uh, Derek Jones Jr. getting a flagrant uh, foul on on uh, Alan Grayson. And he I, I think he was sincere that he was just trying to, to put a body on him and, and not elbow him in the head. But he, he said that's not who he is. But if people want to see that as payback, well, then, you know, that's payback. Hey, I'm okay with it. Well, I, I really don't think he was trying to, but he did get him in the head, and they're probably on high alert to, to call anything that yeah. looked like it, right? Right. But, but right. The, the thing you have to start worrying about, and Billy Donovan, you know, was bringing it up, is that uh, the last two teams in Atlanta and Milwaukee, um, very disciplined teams, and the Bulls have started to lose their discipline when it comes to fouling. Um, the Atlanta Hawks went to the line 28 times to the Bulls seven, and the Bucks went 33 to the line to the Bulls 11. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just way too much disparity. That's a, that's a big difference, yeah. Yeah, for a team that's on the improve with the Bulls but not good enough to, to be – sending teams to the line, taking free shots and putting points on the board. So, I, I mean, I think Billy Donovan, I go back to what he said last year, the team keeps saying they want to win, but do they know what it takes to win and they're willing to do those things that it takes to win? And their talent level has risen considerably with DeMar DeRozan and when healthy Zach Levine being out there. And um, interesting to see Donovan putting Vucevic out there with Tristan Thompson uh, the last couple games, putting him on the floor mm-hmm. at the same time. Two mixed results again. That has some to, to you know the talent they're going up against in the Greek Freak, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. But um, you know the Bulls are going to be in the playoffs. They're three and a half back uh, of first place, a position they held for quite some time before this uh, little swing the last couple of weeks. They have Philadelphia, the Sixers tomorrow, and. Um, so another test with a, a top team in the uh, Eastern Conference. And it would be nice to see him, you know, start to turn this thing back around and get some uh, feel-good going and get some confidence going. And, again, I, you know, I, I don't 
think they're going to be making a title run anytime uh, in this postseason. But I certainly wouldn't want them to see a, be the uh, see them be an easy out either. I, I want to see right. them compete and make some noise. Right. Uh, you know, and you bring up a great point: the lack of discipline over the past few games. It's been enough of a difference. I mean, you know, the the point uh, they lost by six to Atlanta, and they lost by oh, six again to the Bucks. That's not a big, big difference. And the uh, Bulls came back on the Bucks after after being, I think, behind most of the first half. So, right, and uh, coupled with uh, Caruso, our uh, defensive specialist, not being in, in ball, uh, not being in two, there are enough of the factors that are keeping them away from these from winning these tight games. But overall, what a great improvement. And, and going back to talking about the difference in the, the, the front office and the coaching staff for, for the Bulls compared to before and how that might be a nice template for, the, uh, for Hallis Hall to be paying attention to. Yeah, it's not going to necessarily pay off in immediate impact as far as results go. And they have to learn how to win and they have to learn how to get over these, these issues. With uh, discipline, they have to straighten that out, and they have to learn how to win without some key players. But they will get into the playoffs, and that's I, – I can't say that we thought that that would be the case a year and a half ago. No. No, I mean, you know, look, they, they wanted to be in it last year, and it didn't work out for them. Um, it is interesting. I think Sylvie tweeted out maybe after the second loss in the streak – that, uh, you know, that sound you're hearing and people falling off the bandwagon. And, you know, Sylvie's the biggest Bulls fan at the mm-hmm. station, and he's not falling off any bandwagon. But it is interesting to see some of the national take. And here's some of the national take. Raja Bell from the Ringer NBA show, uh, wondering if the Bulls are a flash in the pan. I think they're just ahead of schedule, but some people are wondering if it's a little more smoke and mirrors. Let's take a listen. I don't think it's a flash in the pan. Uh, but I don't also don't think they're going to win a championship. I think they're here for a few years. And then, you know, as DeMar DeRozan is as fantastic as this year is, um, once you start creeping up to year 13 and 14 and 15, um, you know, that, that, that father time starts to knock on that door and you're not able to 28 a game isn't really feasible, you know, anymore. Now, I don't, I don't know how much tread is left on that particular tire, but then it comes down to what the organization is going to do with the young pieces, what they can do in terms of bringing in more people who may be ready to win. We talk about that equation all the time, right? Like you have to have these young, fresh legs, but you've also have to have people that have been through enough of the experience of the NBA grind and the playoffs to really produce when, when, when that time comes. So that becomes an organizational question as much as a, as, as a player being able to sustain a question, but I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think, I think they could be here for a couple of years. You think they're here for a good time, not a long time. Good time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you've got a window of time. You got a three, four year window where you could be a, a solid team with, with kind of the, 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 the nuts and bolts of this group. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, I, agree, about- Brian. I, I, I was just going to jump in and say, I agree in that it's about the nuts and bolts of this group, but we know that uh, AK has got his eyes set on the future. We've seen what they've done already. And I have confidence that they'll be ready when DeMar's game starts to fall off, because that's well, that's the progress of running a team. Well, the, that's the first time I've heard anyone even mention it, because, you know, DeMar DeRozan spoiled us with that streak of, what, eight games were 35 or more points and 50% shooting. And you heard Rasha Bell talking about, you know, I don't know how long he, he can get 28. And, you know, the uh, against Milwaukee at 29, but 11 for 30 shooting. Um, so not 50% by a long shot, but that's the first time I even thought about the tires being worn a little uh, thin on DeMar DeRozan because, uh, you know, 
it's just been it's been a joy to watch him uh to yeah. you know be part of this thing and to to give this team the spark and the the lift that he's given them uh and the help he's given them this season but you know father time you know that that it's a good point i'm and probably a legitimate point but uh i didn't I'd expect 35 to 40 points every night, but I would certainly hope he can hold between 25 and 30. And I hate to see the, the wheels really come off on DeMar at, the, at some point soon. Right. And hopefully they won't because we've been relying on them way too much, which is a, a function of not having everybody on the floor at the same time, you know, uh, having some people out in ball and Caruso. So, yeah, I, I believe that this team with everybody healthy has something, and, and Patrick Williams being back, and here's somebody we haven't seen in a while, being uh, something that can sustain over the next few years. But they're making changes all along and making and, and making opportunities to uh, get this team to be even better. And I'm sure that they're going to be able to do that. And, and the deep run this year, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't, but I'm okay with it as a Bulls fan because I know that there's been some solid progress made. Yeah, there's certainly been progress made, and we can all appreciate that, and that's why TV ratings are up 83%. Um, but I would like to see, by the the playoffs rolling around, I'd like to see a, a fully healthy, if that's possible, and maybe with Zach Levine's knee being iffy, it's not possible, but I'd like to see everyone back on the floor, whether it's 80% of Zach or, or whatever you're going to have, but I'd like to see Patrick Williams back. That might still be more of a, a dream than reality. But right. I would like to see, you know, some of the, the core pieces that you're going to have moving forward, getting that playoff experience together and, and seeing what that looks like and exactly, you know, well, how far along they are and, and how far along do they need to be moving forward. And they're taking on the 76ers tomorrow, which will be a test. Then they're going to uh, be, uh, looks like they're going to be in Detroit on Wednesday, which you know, they've had an easier time beating the teams that aren't so great, which you, you've got to be ready to beat anybody you're playing on any given night. But the 76ers certainly look to be a bit of a, a test. Well, that's, that's, been the, you know, that, that's been the Achilles heel for the Bulls. They can't beat teams with winning records. And if you're going to be a title contending team, obviously you need to beat teams with winning mm-hmm. records because that's usually who shows up. Maybe not in baseball anymore, but that's usually who shows up uh, as you get into the NBA playoffs. Uh, as they're currently comprised. When we come back, you mentioned earlier in the show, you know, just uh, happenstance, what Patrick Kane's going to have his last game here at some point uh, as a Chicago Blackhawk. He actually was asked directly if he believes he's going to finish his entire career wearing a Blackhawk sweater. When we come back, we'll hear from Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves on the future now that Kyle Davidson has talked about a full-on rebuild and uh, what that means to some of the uh, Stanley Cup championship winning pieces that uh, are, are still on the team and whether they'll be here when they're ready to win again. We'll be back in just a bit. It's Sandra and Hanley, ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. So, Mark Xander, you're a Blackhawks fan, longtime fan, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of your tattoos wouldn't happen to be the Blackhawk logo, would it? No, no, I considered no. it, but no, no, didn't do that. I have a lot of friends, though. I have a lot of friends that have the uh, the feathers or the Stanley Cup or whatever. I mean, it, you know, that was that was a nice 
part of sports history in Chicago, but unfortunately, it's recent history, capital history, and and a pat uh, a guy like Patrick Kane, who, you know, I, uh, if you're of a certain age, you still think he's a kid. Well, he's no longer a kid, and he's played a lot of hockey in his life, and and uh, it's getting to the point to where we have to figure out, you know, when are these legends going to either leave or retire with the team. And well, here's the we thing. Have a new GM it's, now. it's it's a great point. Patrick Kane's 33, but he's probably going to be able to play, in, in, you know, 40, 41, 42, whatever. Now he does have an injury, and there's some speculation that in not too distant future he might shut it down for the season and address that injury and get it taken care of, so he's ready to go for next season, which happens to be the last year of his contract, right? So right. he's making uh, 10, making or his, his cap is 10.5 million. Uh, AVV, along with Jonathan Taves, so they are both signed through one more season. You're Kyle Davidson. A lot of talk has been, you know, can Marc-Andre Fleury bring you back some draft capital? But it's up to Marc-Andre Fleury, apparently, to whether he wants to leave or not and uproot his family for the final few months of the season in a playoff run and go to a different team. And he can veto – well, I mean, he could – there are 10 teams that he can tell the Hawks uh, I'm not interested in moving to, and they, they can't talk to those teams. But apparently Blackhawks have, uh, in, in, in terms of trying to get him to come here in the first place when he talked about retirement, they just told him they wouldn't trade him unless he was willing to be traded no matter to any team. So mm, right. he, he would be the first domino to fall on March 21st, the more likely, the most likely domino to fall on March 21st if he gives them the green light to go ahead and deal him. Um, but – it's not going to happen this year, but does it happen in the offseason? Does Patrick Kane have a conversation? He has a full no-movement clause, just like Jonathan Taves. And would, you know, the, the Kyle Davidson said in his initial press conference this week as the now no longer interim GM that he can't put a timeline on it. He won't put a timeline on the rebuild. Three, four, five years, whatever it is, is whatever it's going to be. And, and so... Patrick Kane was asked directly, you know, whether he thinks he's going to stick around and retire as a Chicago Blackhawk, play all his his NHL career in this city and and that's uh, in that arena with this team. And uh, take a listen; it was interesting uh, how he responded. Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I think uh, um, you know, there's probably a, a lot of time to determine what's going to happen in that regard. But I mean. Like, let's be honest. I love Chicago. I love the city. I, I love the fans. Um, uh, the organization's been um, amazing to me and my family. So um, there's really not much to like here. Um, but, you know, I think uh, there's always business decisions. I know, like, in the game of hockey, there's not many guys that uh, um, play their whole career with one team. So um, it would be a, a pr- privilege and an honor to do that. But, uh I guess uh, we'll see how it all plays out. You know, there, it seems like there's a lot of time, but really, as you enter a contract year, which he'll be doing next year, that's the time you start. His agent, mm-hmm. Pat Person, would, would be talking to Kyle Davidson about a, a contract extension. And the questions that both, you know, Patrick has to ask the question whether he wants to be part of a rebuild and, and uh, seasons that are not going to end up looking too pretty when it's all said and done for the next three or four years and not being in any playoff conversation, most likely. And then Kyle Davidson has to ask if he does want to stick around, what does that next contract look like? How much can you afford to give him? 
without insulting him because you have a lot of things you need to do, just like the Bears need to do, having right. looked at Kyle Davidson. So it's going to be interesting. There was a, a kind of a pregnant pause how he started that. I mean, he, he eventually kind of gave you all both answers. Yeah, I'd like to stay. Why wouldn't you? They, everyone's been great to me. But we'll see how it plays out because there are business decisions to be made. But he didn't flat out say, well, absolutely, I'm not going anywhere. Or absolutely, I want to be on a contending team. And, and thanks for the memories. But I, I got to go win somewhere. Right. And, and see, that's the thing, too. How bad does he want to stay in Chicago? And is he going to be valued you know, as he should be? And, of course, that's why you have an agent to make sure your value, uh, what you get for uh, your value is is appropriate. But, you know, will he take a hometown discount to make sure that he stays here? Yeah, uh, we as fans, we would love to know uh, that he'd be willing to do that. I, we obviously don't know, and we don't know that he is basically saying, look, I've got to win more cups. It is not going to happen here anytime soon, so I'm out. We don't know where his head is at, but he, right, right. he's going to look, his, his agent's going to look for him to get paid appropriately. And how much is it worth? I don't think that we could keep Kane and Taves together for a rebuild. Well, here's, here, here's the reality. slow rebuild, yeah. Here's the reality of it. Patrick Kane can get you a lot in return in a trade. Jonathan Taves, not so much. That's and, it, and, that's as, it, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But, you know, for the fan base, and again, just speaking for the fan base itself, who is really more important to keep? Because you're still going to need that leader. You're still going to need a, the set of skills that a Patrick Kane has from somebody. Like we were talking about Allen Robinson. It's like if you took Allen's name off of his skills, that's who the Bears would be looking for. You know, do – you know, what do we get in return if we get rid of a Patrick Kane at this point? I, I think probably his return is pretty high, but I think would he have more value being part of a rebuild to help these these younger players? That's if he wants to be part of a rebuild. And and the, so they'll have to figure that out moving forward. But if you're gonna if you're gonna deal him, I don't think you wait till next trade line uh, trade deadline next year and and have him as a rental player. I think you give him an opportunity to go to a full get play a full season in the final right. year of his and, contract. And you'll get more of a return that way, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Jonathan Taves, you know, just uh, we'll take a listen here. He talked about uh, you know, the frustration. You can hear the voice his voice, the frustration of the last few seasons. No, I mean I, I still don't uh, like to believe that, you know, um, you know, obviously I should say these last few years have been frustrating and it's it's you know, as that saying goes in hockey, you're only as good as your last game. It's tough to to not think that way sometimes. And um, you know, in my heart, I I feel like I I haven't played my best hockey in my career. I just I feel like at this age, with the experience and knowing the game, um, uh, yeah, I think your your experience and just your approach really adds up how you play the game, how you approach it, how you prepare off the ice. Um, just fighting for you know for my health and to find a way to get my body to cooperate and get back to that level I know I can uh, I can play at and um, try and push that sort of thing off a l little bit longer and try and keep enjoying the game. Well, here's hoping that's the case uh, that uh, his best hockey. And it's hard to believe that he has his best hockey he hasn't been played yet. But I, I would love from... to think that 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 uh, is pie in the sky. Uh, but you, you know, as an athlete, you have to believe that. 
Yeah, and no one's questioning his approach or anything else, but the body has failed him in the last couple of seasons. He just came back from concussion. So we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out in due time, but uh, Blackhawks starting a rebuild, the, the Bears starting to retool, and the Bulls hopefully uh, going to get it set straight and uh, get some playoff success so they can move forward as well. And we're going to move forward and get, get out of the way here. We want to thank you for listening today, and uh, we will be back next week. At uh, from ten to noon, it will be Tyler Aki and I will be uh, here yes. talking a lot of college hoops as well. So thanks yes, for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and it's Andrew and Hanley, ESPN One Thousand.